How are you, Corey? I'm, I've got nothing for you today. Oh, wow. Okay, nothing. that's a change. I, I, the last episode, I did a little Chaka Khan. That's true. You know, I sing a lot. So why don't you why don't you take the lead on this one? Okay. <clears throat> Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Is this the opening to the Big Chill? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I got nothing. Um, uh, my name's Corey Kraft. Uh, I am the co-host of the Side Talks podcast, which is what you were listening to. I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm the other co-host. That's how that works. That is how that of the works. the Side Talks podcast, the official podcast of the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. That's right. Um, cinnamon. We we talk about cinnamon on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> all spices. All spices all the time. Uh, cinnamon. Overrated, underrated. I we're, say we're delicious. Also, I say delicious. This is episode 207, 208 of We're not talking about spices. We're not specific here. Yeah, we're we're just we're not running out of material. Let's just uh let's just put it that way. Anyway, um let's talk about some cinnamon, shall yeah. we? Yeah. What's this shit? All right, I'm rubbing my temples yeah. like Karnak. Yeah, you were doing some brain exercises. Mm, I'm ready. Right. So here we go. Okay. There, we're on a city street. Do you know what it is? Um, <laughs> Eyes wide shut. I, no, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> um, there, are three, three people sitting on a on a step outside of a big building. Okay. Um, one is kind of a scruffy guy with headphones, like studio headphones around his neck. Uh huh. And the other two are saying something. The other two are women, and they're saying something about a broken heart. That I can't really, I didn't really catch, and I didn't want to roll it back because okay, that was okay. hungry. Um, a scruffy dude has this kind of freak out after they say that, and kind of shakes his head and stands up and goes into the building. I'm assuming the building that's they're sitting in front of. You know what it is? No. Okay. Um, and once he gets in the building, he walks. There's oh, there's sappy music playing. Cool. Shocker. Cool. He walks up to a couple who are kind of standing there. Everybody, by the way, is wearing a suit and tie. Even the scruffy guy has kind of got a little little tie situation going on, uh-huh. even though it looks shit showish. Um, and he starts. He sort of walks up to him and starts to starts to say something, and then walks off, and then does it again. And I I actually couldn't just hold myself back. I I actually said to the computer screen that was one too many times of that. So there was a little misstep of direction, I think. And no shocker here because this thing is a mess. And um, <laughs> so then he, he finally does speak and gives some kind of speech about, I don't need to see pictures. I don't need to, you know, I don't need this footage. I walk down the street and I see her face and people's other people's faces. What the hell? Yeah. And he's like, I get that you're in pain, but you have each other. And again, I've not seen this film, so I don't understand the context of what this is at all, except I could tell you it it vibes like a court situation, mm. if you haven't picked up on that. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I even, I even see her dog. That's how fucked up I am. I look at a German shepherd and I see a poodle. Okay. Oh, is this person Adam Sandler? It is. So this is Rain Over Me? You got it. Wow. You got it. Wow. Rain Over Me. Me. Isn't that a Lady Gaga song? Rain. You, this so, looks terrible. Do you know what it. the context of this is? No, I have no He's idea. He's a 9-11 widower. His, like, his wife or whatever... Or his whole family, I don't remember exactly, right. died in 9-11. Oh, my God, So I'm he's depressed. been, like, shattered with grief. And his buddy Don Cheadle has to, like, al- like help him rebuild his life or whatever. I think there's, like, a court proceeding. Like, I don't remember. Why, yeah, why, is it, why are they in court? Also, make sure everybody's aware how, to, how is Rain spelled here. Uh, R- 
E I G N. Yeah, it's an R E I G N moment. Yeah, it comes from that the Who song, but they didn't do Rain or Me like the song. They could so go they back just, now and put that Lady Gaga song in. Yeah, it. they could. <laughs> um, I don't remember anything about this movie, but it, I saw it in theaters. The only way, the only reason I got it is because of the headphones. The headphones are like a recurring thing in that movie oh, they for are. him. Um, for reasons I can't remember. This movie came out in 2006, so it's been a minute. He's also doing kind of a funny voice, like an Adam Sandler funny yeah. voice, which when Adam Sandler speaks, it's not he ha- he does have a somewhat normal voice. Yeah, he has a he has a normal man voice. I don't know why he has to do funny voice in this if it's if it's this dramatic. I don't know. I so I, as I recall this movie was kind of an uneasy mixture of of comedy and drama oh God. or like light comedy. You know it's what's not really like funny 911. Com- yeah. Laugh that's the right. thing. It's not outright comedic, but it's not you know, it's mostly just kind of dark and sad actually. He I looks like recall. he's going for an Oscar in, a, in, in the same way that Rosie O'Donnell looks like she's going for an Oscar and riding in a car with my sister when she's playing somebody who's, you know. Well, that was when he was thirsty for it because, you know, he did Punch Drunk Love. Nobody saw that coming. Everybody was like, hooray. And then um, in between his <laughs> – He thought you know, this was the same unquote, train? Yeah, he did. oh, no, Adam Sandler, But here's the no, thing. Th- this is when he got on the train and made Spanglish and then this. Oh, God. And I had I just came to you with Spanglish. And yeah. I need you to know, I didn't. I wasn't going down an Adam Sandler path at all. I just looked at the, at the shelves yeah. in, in, our, in our education room at the cinema, and I was like, what is this shit? And I looked at the back of it, and I go, ooh, this is going to definitely be horrible. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember it being pretty bad. But yeah. um, wow, I can't believe I got it. You got that. it. Good job. You win. I'll pat myself on the back. You don't really win anything, one. but you win. And now, a look at what we're watching this week. Yeah, so you want to know what I've been watching? Yes, here? please. What have you been watching? Well, a couple of things. Okay. Um, and one of which I've talked about a good bit, but so I'm going to mention it very briefly. But the first I'm going to tell you, I know you're going to be very excited to hear, I have seen The Lost Daughter. Ooh, did you love it? I did love it. Oh, I also also watched this on a plane. The yeah. worst the worst possible place to watch The Lost Daughter. I was like, it's, what it's, film could I watch that would be really inappropriate <laughs> to watch on a plane? I'm on a 10-hour flight. It's I'm very moody go. and yeah. very it's very vibey. But. I do like it. It's also very feminine. Yeah. And I know there's been a lot written and said about this film and obviously it's getting a little Oscar nod. Um it, what I love really, though, what I've really taken to is the first 15 or 20 minutes of it, uh, where it's a lot of her observing and us observing her and her not necessarily being observed. Yeah. And there's this really interesting sort of uh, gaze, almost like a gaze carousel that's going on. And it is really – it is could be, I think, for somebody who's first – this is their first film, Maggie Gyllenhaal's uh-huh. first film – it is a really sophisticated direction that's happening in the first 15 Strongly minutes of this film. Agree. And, and throughout, because, you know, there's so much, she mines so much tension out of what you say, out of characters watching each other. Yeah. Um, and, and just the sort of interpretation of whether that gaze is predatory, whether it's malicious, what sort of designs these other characters have on our main character, but also the weird shit that our main character is yeah. increasingly seemingly capable of right. because she makes some decisions in this movie that are very very kind of off-putting and odd and and you're watching her very closely to try to piece together 
exactly what she's thinking, what she's doing. It's incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. But I really appreciate it. And of course, Dakota Johnson here looking not like Dakota Johnson. No, not really. And doing a great job in this film. I I love the dynamic between those two women. Mm -hmm. It's just a great female film in so many ways. I really do love it. And And just the little touches of just, for example, that the moment that you have uh, this visual storytelling moment you have with the bowl of fruit that happens yeah. also within yeah. that first 10 minutes. The first 10 minutes is incredibly rich. Yeah. I don't, I have to say, I don't know if the whole film holds me mm-hmm. at that 10 minutes. And part of why is because a good bit of a storytelling is told through flashback. Right. And I do think this is the best way to handle a flashback. I do. I, I, I still don't love a flashback and I don't, I'm not suggesting that I have some other you know solution to the filmmaking here. I'm not going to say that, but, it weakens the film for me. Mm, yeah. Uh, not for me. Doesn't um, mean I don't love it. Yeah. It just it just doesn't hold up to that first 15 minutes where I'm just really entrenched in yeah. what the hell is going on. And this the observational moments are re- just, just really, really super strong. Well, I, I think I've mentioned it before. Uh, Olivia Coleman in that movie, my favorite performance of 2021. Yeah. Just hands down. She's amazing. Yeah. She's and also, incredible. You're, you have these sort of very... I would say sort of almost sexualized in some ways sort of close-ups that are happening uh-huh. with her in the water and whatnot. And she's not a traditional, she's not a traditional actor that you would sexualize. Sure. And for a number of reasons. Right. But I love that Maggie Gyllenhaal is doing this in this way that it really kind of makes, it makes you step back and think about what, what we've normalized as being, you know, what we like to look at in film, uh, just working on set, firing on a lot of, a lot of different, cylinders here yeah, I think for sure um, so great and then uh, speaking of feminine here's another thing that I'm watching as I've mentioned before I've mentioned many times so I'll keep it somewhat brief and that is I've looked I've watched the last episode the finale of Sex and the City uh-huh. and I'm going to tell you what I what I what I like because it's not a great episode okay it's actually probably the weakest episode they're understand what those writers are working with though they're working with the death of one of their characters unexpectedly and they're working and they're working with the the me tooing of of uh, that same of, actor. Of another. Well, no, the, the other actor that died is. Um, oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about the actual death of yeah, that actor. Yeah, and then who's gone. and then a virtual death, right? Right. And so, and then and then the the lack of having Samantha's character come back, right? sure. Uh, which they're really, I think they're basically begging Kim Cattrall to come back. And <laughs> in, in this last episode, there's a lot of texting happening, and I can't. I mean, for the greater good, Kim Cattrall, please come back. But what I really want to talk about right now is that there's been so much feedback on some characters in this thing that are terrible, that mm-hmm. are absolutely terrible. And then there's a lot of feedback that you're hearing on the socials about Miranda's character and how Miranda would never do this kind of thing. Miranda would never, you know, be this um, chaotic. She would never have left her job. There's a lot of just, you know, that's that's not who that character was. And that's Cynthia Nixon, right? That is Cynthia Nixon. Okay. And – what I love that's happened in this last episode is that they've given – the writers have actually written in response to this feedback uh, a little bit of a monologue from Cynthia Nixon's character, Miranda, that's, that is, can't a person change? Mm. Is it not – why is everybody holding me to this person that I was that they saw me be 20 years ago? I mean it really just kind of speaks to – the writers are kind of talking to the audience. Yeah. And when – does that ever happen? I mean, this is a unique world we're living in when, when you can get immediate feedback from an audience and you can react to it as a writer. Mm-hmm. And I think it's incredibly exciting. It's kind of why I love genre because that's what horror film is, right? For yeah. me, horror film is I'm responding to what people are saying horror is or what I know horror to be or the sort of standards of horror. 
And I'm also responding to the, twer- the sort of tweaks on what a director might be doing to change horror as a genre. And, you know, that sort of in- that knowledge of everything that's come before is allowing me to feel like I'm having a conversation with a filmmaker. Sure. And this is incredibly exciting to see a character responding to an audience. I, I, I don't know. Again, not a great episode. I'm bringing them some grace because of what they're dealing with. Mm. But what a moment to kind of observe and um, see play out. So, yeah, that's what I'm watching. Well, your feedback about And Just Like That has been, in general, the most positive that I've seen. I know. I know. I, I, I'm not privy to any of the details, obviously, because it's not a show that I've ever I'm watched. bringing a lot of grace. There's some really bad shit going on in the show, Corey. I'm not suggesting it's not. But well, I, I just think, um, you know, I'm not one to throw baby out with the bathwater all the time. Um, sometimes <laughs> not all the time. I, not all the time. Sometimes that baby is going right, right out the fucking window. But well, uh, What's hard for me is, <laughs> I agree, but what's hard for me is when you have, let's say, you know, an hour-long show, right? Mm-hmm. And in that hour-long show, you've got 15 minutes of just exceptional work. It is hard for me to, to cut something loose. When when the work it's weird because the the pits the the peaks and valleys are really really yeah. there's a huge mammoth gulf between them, but yeah you're probably right I'm giving it more credit than a lot of people are and and maybe that's wrong. No, yeah, I mean you know different strokes right. Yeah, that's sure. what this podcast is all about. Oh yeah. So what have you been watching? I recently have been watching a lot of classic cinema that I, for reasons of age or laziness or what have you, have just never gotten around to. So I want to highlight my favorites of these cool. recent first-time watches. I watched for the first time, and this is these are all vaguely embarrassing. These are movies that as a cinema, a, a cinephile, I should have seen oh, long ago. Oh, you know what? There are lots of movies in the world. So get I, over it, people. Get I'm, over I'm it. still embarrassed. The, um, but better late than never, I suppose. Um, I saw Robert Altman's McCabe and Mrs. Miller for the first time. Yeah. Uh, nobody is upset with you well, over McCabe and Mrs. Me. Miller. I'm upset Brad, with you. Brad, because... are you upset because Corey had never seen McCabe and Mrs. Miller? I'm a little, I got a tear. Yeah, um, I, I knew that I wasn't going to get much help I mean, from, from these you, folks in here. You think he was going to say Citizen Kane? McCabe and fucking Mrs. Miller were good. Anyway. Well, I've seen Citizen Kane once or twice. <laughs> Look, McCabe and Mrs. Miller is a movie that I, I, I saw it um, and I, I realized, oh, this is, this would, um, if we were still doing our top 200 films, yeah. this would be on that list, probably pretty high. I fucking loved McCabe and Mrs. Miller. <laughs> I, 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 you know, and it's not like, again, it's not like I haven't seen this a bunch of- This is the of... most times anybody said McCabe or Mrs. Miller. <laughs> it's a, it's a cinema podcast. Um, so we didn't, we didn't specify contemporary cinema. <laughs> um, look, I, I just, I loved this movie. Front to back. Uh, You know, I'd seen a bunch of Robert Altman movies. You know, we've talked about Nashville and The Player and Shortcuts and things like that. Great filmmaker, man. This movie was just working on another level, man, just all together. I don't want to spend too much time on that because I also watched, for the first time, John Ford's The Grapes of Wrath. Starring okay. Henry Fonda, uh, you know, again, a novel that I have read. I am an English teacher, um, and I kind of had already, always, kind of assumed that um, it was a respectable but not 
you know, tremendously beloved film adaptation. As as adaptations can be. But I yeah. but I watched this and I'm like, no, no, wait, no, this is this is a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece in its own right. Just as Steinbeck's novel is is uh, you know one of the great American novels. This is one of the great American films. Not only for Henry Fonda's sort of iconic role as Tom Joad, but you've got cinematographer speaking of Citizen Kane, yeah. Greg Toland working with John Ford in that perfecting that deep focus cinematography. Nobody that, even that, knows um, how this dude does it. I mean. I mean, Greg Toland just work in magic in yeah, Citizen as Kane. he does, as he does. Um, so visually, just splendid, worth seeing for for that alone. But it has many other merits as well, of course. That's a hard film for me to watch, a hard book for me to read, but a yeah. harder film for me to watch because of because of what happens. It, sure, it is I mean, it's gut wrenching. Yeah, for sure. And then last night, I caught up with the Michael Curtiz adventure film from 1938 called The Adventures of Robin Hood, starring Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland, one of those famous early Technicolor swashbucklers. You know, that's kind of a a popular early genre in Hollywood with Douglas Fairbanks. Nobody's mad at you about this one either. Yeah, but it rules. Oh, it's so good. It's still so much fun. It's an artifact from when movies that cost a lot of money looked like they cost a lot of money because they built giant ass sets and they had hundreds of extras. Right. Well, they weren't just paying, you know, Jennifer Aniston 40,000 million, quadrillion, chameleon dollars. And I'm sure that Errol Flynn you know, took home a sizable yeah, paycheck. Yeah, I mean, they had to pay him like 60 bucks. Sure, yeah. You know, that that keep him living he, in 1938 money? What is that? Like, that's the equivalent of $6 million today? He was just on the set to sleep with any woman that might pass his... Now, that know. is true. He definitely did that. Yeah. Everybody but Olivia de Havilland, according to Olivia de Havilland. But that's, yeah, but- you know, neither here nor there. Um, anyway, what a wonderful movie this was. I, I just had such a good time and just a big stupid smile on my face watching this it it strikes me that this is the adventure movie that that contemporary hollywood is still trying to imitate and largely failing and when they do they break out the kevin costner well speaking of kevin costner i also watched for the first time all 90 hours of dances with wolves uh oh, but i wasn't going to no. bring that up because oh, i was no. let's say lukewarm on that picture i wonder why um because it's 90 hours long Oof. and a 90 hour vanity project uh-huh. that i don't know if it wore me down or won me over but at the end i was like that was pretty good i don't ever want to see that again but i'm not mad that it exists um, like I mean, the, so many other the fever are. that swept through this country in regards to Dance of the Wolves, you're too too young blood to know, but it was nuts. It was nuts. It was like y'all, what in the hell? I mean, it was people you know, love that shit. It was love um, that shit. It's all right. Mm-hmm. There's a wolf in it. He didn't yeah. dance though. I mean, I'm so old. I can remember being like, the name of the film is stupid. Well, and it promises something care. it doesn't I don't, deliver. I don't because care beyond that. It's too nobody's stupid. Nobody's dancing. It's too stupid. With wolves or otherwise. So that was a problem. <laughs> I don't know. So that's what it's I've been like watching. not Twilight. Yeah, that's true. There's Dancing with Wolves uh, in that. I've seen, uh, there were a couple other movies. Like I saw The Last Emperor for the yeah. first time. You like it? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, big epic. Mm-hmm. Like Dances with Wolves, you know, emotionally distant and kind of overlong, but. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Keep catching um, up, and you know I'm chipping away. I'm you know yeah. getting these these DVDs and, and Blu-rays and stuff, and uh, finally, you know, watching all of the movies that I you I've need a lot of Revelator coffee for these. You know it. That is certain. So anyway, uh, lots of good stuff. That's what I've been watching. Cool. 
Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Side Talks podcast. We are your own personal cinematic Corey Flood in DC. I that that I had already me. decided to do this, by the way, uh-huh. and then we talked about this film in the last episode, and so this was all wait, what is it? Kismet? Is that how you say it? Um, this is from Say Anything. So Corey, oh, that's Lily Taylor, and who is DC? I, you know what? I don't even remember, and I just looked it up. But she has really not been in much else. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, Corey in DC. Corey, of course, Corey Lily Taylor's character, the one who's like sings, you know, Joe lies when he cries. So I've yeah. written a hundred songs about Joe, and I'm singing every one of them tonight. So here's the thing, you know, in the last episode, I controversially said that I didn't like saying anything as much as. Um, most people, and that may still be true, but I remember loving Lily Taylor She's, in this movie. That sub that subplot uh-huh. is amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so I, really hilarious. I might have to retract that statement just mm-hmm. based on this. Take reminder. another look, and we'll talk. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, thanks to Revelator Coffee, our sponsor. Thanks to Boutwell Studios, our sponsor, also do an incredible job producing this podcast. Thanks, Brad. You're welcome. Uh, what else do we say here? Sidewalkfest.com and at Sidewalk Film on social media. This is where you can buy tickets to come see a movie or many movies with us at the Sidewalk Cinema, including, you know, getting tickets to see some of the films that are part of our upcoming Women in Film Week. You talked about that very briefly. Yeah. Um, any Anything you can tell us about it? Um. Yeah, I mean, we're going to do a little bridesmaids slash girls trip night. That'll be a lot of fun. That sounds like a blast. We've got a lot of really great documentaries, female-directed documentaries. Um, We are going to be continuing our run of The Worst Person in the World during Women in Film Week, even though this is not a female-directed film. It's clearly female-centric. And she's amazing in that movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. So good. And then, um, you know, off the top of my head, my gosh, uh, hard, hard to say. Okay. I, I not because there aren't great titles in the mix, but because my brain is my memory is gone. <laughs> well, that's a little sneaky peek. Uh, keep an eye out. By by the time you're hearing this, the lineup is sure to be released pretty soon if it's not already out. Um, and come see a movie or twelve with us because yeah. I've I've had a little look at at the calendar. Looking pretty good, do you think? Um, oh, God. It's stacked. It's stacked yeah. with stuff. And we're trying to get Coda, y'all. I want you to know that Coda has been not available <laughs> to us. So tell it to Apple because they, they've held that film back Write from us. Write Tim Cook personally and say, and, Tim, uh, we need Coda to play you know, two or three showtimes at a local independent cinema in I've Birmingham. I've requested it like a million gazillion times. Well, and, uh, fingers crossed because that, that's a, you know – a lovely little movie, Oscar nominee, of course. Yeah. Um, anyway, long uh, outro here, but oh, that's well. okay. Um, Everybody's quit listening anyway. We that's just true. keep talking about films that we may or may not program. <laughs> Come Thanks see a movie listening. with us. Bye. Boutwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise. <laughs>